Good morning, Anchorage, Alaska, the lower 48 and the rest of the world. This is Bruce Lindquist with his podcast, Wonderful Counselor. The title of this mini-series is The Preacher's Kid That Fought Like the Devil. If you haven't listened to episode one, The Prayer, and episode two, It Happened One Night, it's just 22 minutes total. It's now time for episode three, called The Sacrifice. If you're willing, close your eyes. Unless you're driving, then please don't close your eyes. It's the year 1953 and it's time to use that God-given imagination of yours. Picture a shadow of a large oak tree with the sun breaking through, casting light rays on a lone figure standing on a glistening manicured lawn covered in morning dew like tears from heaven. Yvette Savannah Jordet is a 17-year-old girl on the verge of becoming a young woman. She's standing in a place where tears join those of hundreds of of generations that have gone before. She remembers the morning she found her mama. She thought she was resting, but soon realized after there was no pulse, her mama went home. She held on to her faith in God to bring her through this death grip of grief, and her dad, who was her hero, journeyed with her through all her pain and loss. C.S. Lewis, she once read, said something she didn't quite understand at the time, but now she did. Her dad was God with skin on. She remembered all the nights he held her, God's arms, spoke words of healing to her, God's mouth, walked with her, God's feet, loved her, God's heart, and cried with her, God's tears. This man of God was her mom's husband, her father, respected and beloved preacher in their small town. She was so sad back then, but her dad read scriptures to her about how in Christ, We do not grieve like those that have no hope. No, they still grieve, but with hope. That was a few years ago. The storms of her grief she weathered, and her daddy was right. It was a brief goodbye, and she was looking forward one day to an eternal hello. In the present, however, she had a life to live. That was the gift, and she was remembering her mom by bringing these beautiful camellia flowers with their bursts of red, pink, and white petals to adorn her grave. Her face now was misted by happy tears as she felt overwhelmed with gratitude, love, and joy for the woman who followed Christ in word and deed and was her best friend and still wore the mantle of mom with the dignity of her office. She glanced at the grave and raised her eyes towards heaven and that beautiful blue sky and declared in her heart once again she would keep her promise, wait however long it took before she would ever let a boy or a man enter her heart and kept her virginity as she looked at her purity ring her father had given her. Now juxtaposed to this heartfelt sacred scene on the other side of town was a young 18-year-old boy who thought he knew how to be a man. His name was Adon Luis Bashad, and he was known in these parts as the most handsome heartthrob in the county. His skin was slightly dark, his brown eyes danced playfully when he spoke, and he melted a few girls' hearts like chocolate on a southern humid day. He was hanging out with his friends Amond and Remy, who were his only friends because it meant they could have the girls he left for them. As they traditionally did, they made their bet, $20, which was a lot of money back then, on who could bed what girl, and the game was on. Adon had numerous notches on his belt from all his conquests. The junior prom was tonight, and the two boys were concerned that they had no one to take to the prom. 
Haven't you learned anything, Cinnadon? You don't need to buy a corsage. Just go to the dance and follow my lead. You will have your girl for the moonlit night. At the prom, Adon just sat back, looking cool. His friends challenged him. So you think you can get any girl? Yep, said Adon. I've had her, and her, and her, and her twice. I could go on forever, he said. What about her, said Amon. And there was Yvette, having girl talk with her friends. I dare you, said Remy. And you don't even have to bet her down. Just dance with her. You're on, said Adon. Might as well give me your money. And he did his best James Dean impression as he walked over to the girls. Now from a distance, he could tell her two friends were as easy as Sunday morning. But as he approached Yvette, something happened to him. He had never experienced this before. Every girl in the room just disappeared. And all he could see was her. He felt like he had a little bit too much of his dad's whiskey. He got all lightheaded, but he kept his composure. I would be honored, he said to Yvette, if that in that black velvet smooth southern style, if you would dance with me. Yvette barely looked at him and said, I wouldn't be, and walked away. Adan had never heard the words no before from a girl, or at least that she meant it, so this was new territory for him. Do you know who I am, he said, trying to nudge her no to that yes. Yes, I know who you are. You're gambling on the wrong girl. I'm worth more than $40. I'm priceless. He walked over to his friends and gave them the money and walked back to Yvette. I don't care about the money. Now would you dance with me? No, said Yvette. You're fine and could and probably have had most of the girls here, but you aren't having me. Adon said, give me another chance. No dance, okay? What would you like to do? Yvette couldn't deny he was a looker. He made her heart jump a bit. Okay, she said, Saturday I need a ride to the library at noon. And he said he would be there. She looked at him again. She said, I'm worth the wait, are you? And then turned and talked to her friends. Yvette looked at two of them, Rosalind and Demi. I know those boys put you up to telling me about the bet so they'd get their money. Please be careful tonight. They're not worth your time or your body. The girls giggled and walked over to the boys. There they go, like sheep to the slaughter, Yvette thought. Saturday afternoon came, and Yvette heard the sound of a loud horn coming from her driveway. Her daddy was sitting in the chair looking at his paper. She walked out of the house, went right up to the car, but didn't get in. Adon yelled out the window, You look beautiful. Yvette looked at him in disbelief. She said, I'm not a dog you honk at. Try again next Saturday, and went back in the house. Her dad smiled as she walked by. Adon drove home. Girls came running when he honked. They couldn't wait to get into his red fire Ford Thunderbird. He returned the following Saturday. Yvette walked out of her house and up to the car door and waited. Are you going to get in, Yvette? He said. She turned away and said with her back towards him, Try it again next Saturday. I'm a lady. Can you at least pretend to be a gentleman? And then went back in the house she went. Adam was perplexed. When he got home, he knocked on his older sister, Bridget's bedroom door, saying, I need your help. Opening her door, his sister said, This is a first. And her brother shared what he's been, what's been happening. Bridget started giggling. My brother, the town stud, is in love. Adon said, I can't quit thinking about her. I close my eyes, I see her. My heart hurts when I'm not with her. I guess I am in love. 
You know that box in the living room has those moving pictures in it? Why don't you go watch that for a while? Maybe you'll get some ideas what a gentleman is, she said. Don turned on the new TV and sat there and watched it for a few hours and saw a man driving up, picking up a woman. And he did something Don had never seen before. And her response was, what a gentleman. The next Saturday, he opened the car door for Yvette. And she smiled and went to get in and then turned around and said nothing and walked back into the house. Adon drove back home, and his sister greeted him in the driveway. You're home early. Was the library closed? She couldn't quit laughing. Very funny, said Adon, and told her what had happened. Her sister went to get to the car, but stopped. Adon opened the door for her, and she looked in. Well, there's your problem. He looked at her and said, What? Your exterior is waxed and polished, but if the interior looks like a harm, there are empty bottles of alcohol on the floor, the seat hasn't been vacuumed in how long, ashes are overflowing the ashtray, and there are a few pieces of women's jewelry. Adon shared, women are always losing things in his car after a night of passion. His sister rolled her eyes. Brother, she said, a woman knows a man can look fine on the outside, but if the interior of his car looks like this, it reflects how he is on the inside. Adon said, okay, and he spent the rest of his day cleaning and vacuuming every inch of the car. And he found used condoms under the back seat. He thought that wouldn't help. Come the following Saturday, he drove up, held the door open, and said, your chariot awaits you. And Miss Yvette, you look lovely today. She got into the car and started to drive, to, and they started to drive to the library. He put his foot on the floor. He loved speed. Miss Yvette said, stop this car, and he did. She shared, if you're going to take me to the library, you're not going to drive like a madman. He slowed down. He couldn't be upset with her. She was so captivating. She then gave a light sneeze. Do you have tissue? Yes. Glad his sister told him to bring some. It's in the glove box. And when she pulled out the tissue, she saw a magazine. She held up the picture. It was the first Playboy magazine. She gave him a look like he was in the biggest doghouse that had ever been built, and she tossed it out the window. A police car pulled them over for littering, and the officer walked up to them and said, Boy, that's against the law. Miss Yvette said to the officer, I threw it out because I found this in his car. The officer who was looking for trouble started laughing. You have a good day, he said. He picked up the Playboy, sat in his car looking at the pictures, and they drove off slowly. The library was quiet, and so was Yvette. He then took her home. She said, you can have Miss July and all the other seasons, and walked back into the house. Adon drove home. It's just a magazine. Doesn't hurt to look. If she had this reaction, he thanked God she didn't find those used condoms. Bougette was waiting for him. So you got to first base, she said. Adon replied, no, she wouldn't even let me on the field. He explained to his sister what happened. Do you have more of those magazines, she said. I collect them. They get me ready for the girls and the rompin' in the back of the Thunderbird, he replied. I guess I could give them away, he said. No, said his sister. You're going, she's going to ask you about them. You burn them. Don walked out in the yard, made a small fire, and he said goodbye to the calendar centerfold. Bougette decided it was time to go to this woman's house. He, she had to meet her. Yvette opened the door, and they had sun tea on the back porch. 
So, you're Don's sister. Did he send you over here? No, said the gat. He has no idea I'm here. Go on, said Yvette. I have grew up with my brother. He may have been in lust as soon as he hit puberty, but he has not ever been in love. Miss Yvette, he loves you. What about all that smut, said Yvette. He burned his entire collection, and I watched him, Brigitte replied. Yvette smiled. Well, isn't that interesting, as she sipped her tea. They continued their girl chat, and Brigitte said, I can see why he fell for you. Your breath of fresh air for his life. He was headed down the wrong road, and for the first time I have hope for my brother. Be careful with him. He has not ever given his heart to anyone. And with that, she left. That Saturday, Adam picked up, uh, picked up a vet, and their entire senior year, she honored her God, her mother, and became special friends with him. Old habits die hard, though, for Adon, and when he took her to, out for a moonlit ride, he kissed her without her permission, and she slapped him. She got out of the car, and she started walking down the road. Get in the car, Miss Yvette. It isn't safe for you to be out here at night walking with the town curfew. She cooled down and sat next to him. You're right. I'm sorry I slapped you. We need to talk. He pulled into her driveway, where it was safer. If you're going to be serious about me, I need to know something. And she was just getting started. You see, before Adam was given even the Bible, he had a J-O-B job. What are you going to do with your life? Adon didn't have a clue. His job was to have her. Yvette shared, I have talked to my daddy about you, and he warned me a leopard can't change his spots. But I've changed, said Adon. Yes, you have. I have been your only. And you will be until I stop breathing, said Adon. Yvette shared, I have made my daddy and mommy a promise. I would not marry anyone who wasn't a preacher. Adon looked at her in disbelief. He didn't know if he even believed in God. I want you tomorrow to talk with my daddy. He has a way this could happen. Adon didn't even talk to his sister when he got home. He just went to bed. A preacher. Now I gotta be a preacher. Adon met with the vet's dad, who informed him he had a favor he could call to the dean of a seminary. And the first semester, he wouldn't need to pay for it. It would be a test to see how he would do. My daughter loves you and believes you can change, son. It will take an act of God, but I believe in you and in him. Adon went home and packed. So you're going to be a preacher, said Brigitte, in disbelief. You barely made it through high school. I'm going to try, said Adon. When he arrived at college, he met the dean of Shaw University in Raleigh, North Carolina, an all-black college founded in 1865. Professor Douglas looked at Adon. So you want to be a preacher, Adon responded. Yes, sir. Tell me then about your conversion experience. Her name is Yvette Jourdet, said Adon. The professor raised his eyes. That will be all, he said. After the young man left, Professor Douglas raised his eyes to heaven. I know you know what you're doing, Lord. It was a question of faith more than an affirmation of God's character. To say that Don was having a difficult time was an understatement. His first class was Greek New Testament, and he had enough trouble with English. His month was just about done, and he walked defeated into the dean's office. You're going to boot me out, aren't you? Professor Douglas looked at the young man and knew he was so far over his head and was sinking fast. No, he said, but I have an assignment for the next month, and depending how you do will determine if you continue. I want you to get up at 5 a.m. every morning and by 6 a.m. be at the chapel with this Bible and read and pray and watch and see what happens. 
Adon was skeptical, but desperate, he agreed. He got up the next morning for the first week, and he was so tired from studying the night before he fell asleep. The next week, he was starting to gain some endurance, so he decided maybe it was time to talk to God. He decided to turn on the charm. God, this is Adon. You're so fortunate to have me, and I know you will let me bed down Yvette. Silence echoed in the church. He might as well be reading hieroglyphic symbols when he looked at the Bible. It made no sense to him. Week 3. He was tired and getting a bit frustrated with God. Time to take a different approach. He thought maybe God needed a pep talk. Okay, you can do this. You created the world. You can bring me and Yvette together. Continued silence. The last week, Adon couldn't think of anything else. He tried to bargain with God about being his preacher. He would be faithful. He'd marry a vet. I'm your guy. He also shared. Then the last day of the month, I dare you. I dare you, God, to be a man and help me. The Holy Spirit hit Adon so hard he fell to the floor and couldn't get up. The professor came looking for him and saw him on the floor and laughed so hard he could barely contain himself. The professor said, You've been trying, like with me, to bargain with God? Yes, I even dared him to show up. Well, said the professor. Looks like he decided to. I can't get up off the floor, said Adon. It's like a heavy weight. It's called glory, said the professor. What do I do now? Well, if I were you, I would surrender everything to Jesus. Seriously. I'd ask him to free of all your sins. Let him know you will follow him, even if it means you lose a vet. I'd rather stay on the floor, said Adon. Okay, have a good night, said the professor. There he stayed, just him and the Holy Spirit. For the first time in his life, there was contrition. The Lord showed him how the way he lived ruined many girls' and women's lives, and the Spirit took him to a doctor's office where one of the women was having an abortion, and he saw the whole thing. Adon wept. He ran out of ways to hustle. His words were not smooth, and he saw his soul laid bare as a sinner in the hands of an angry God towards sin. He trembled, and, when, and then something in his heart broke. He just let go. He dared to believe. The Lord led him off the floor, and he walked into the Dean Douglas's office and felt like his old Thunderbird, clean from the inside out. The Dean had a Greek exam. I'm praying for you, he said. Adon had no idea what happened, but he now understood Greek. He passed the exam. The Bible came alive to him. He had a hunger for God that was even more intense. Seminary wasn't easy. It was hard. But he had a new conviction, and the Holy Spirit was with him. The next year, he preached his first sermon in college, and Professor Douglas could not believe what he was hearing. This young man was on fire for God. Street witnessing weekend came, and revival, and Don shared with the boldness of a lion and conviction of fire. Many gave their lives to the Lord. Adon wrote Yvette a letter, saying she was on the altar. He was trusting God and to pray. Yvette brought the letter to her daddy, and they both said, Praise the Lord. Yvette and her dad were there for graduation, as her dad had invested in the rest of this young man's education. Adon was the main speaker, and Yvette was amazed at his command of language, but more for so for his passion for God. Some family members were in attendance and surrendered their lives to Christ, to including his sister, Bajette. He preached on his favorite subject of the scripture, redemption and surrender. That night, Yvette moved her purity ring to another finger and accepted Adon's proposal for marriage wearing her new engagement ring. The next year, her dad mentored his soon-to-be son-in-law at the local church, and a month before he and Yvette married, her dad retired, and Adon became the preacher of the church, gave herself to him on her honeymoon, and the couple did not come up for air for a few days.
that gave her husband a ride to the church. It was now a few years, but no children. They had been praying, and she liked trying, as the Lord gave her a man with stamina, but no babies. She kissed her husband and gave him his lunch, and he went to church. She was headed back to the home of the small house just a few miles away. She loved being a preacher's wife, leading Sunday school classes, women's Bible studies, women's youth group. She and her husband would visit many people and share their joys and their sorrows. Still in her heart, it ached for one of her own. She wanted a son. She had almost got home when she felt the Holy Spirit say, Drive further on. So she did. She had no idea where she was going. She heard the voice in her spirit. She was going to have a son today. At first she told herself, Who do you think you are, the Virgin Mary? But then she remembered Mary was a virgin. She looked down at her tummy. Lord, I isn't pregnant. And even if I was, how would I have a child today? He will be a son. Keep driving, said the voice to her heart. She didn't know what happened, but she was at the child's hospital called Garden Memorial. She had the strongest feeling to go in, so she did. She saw a nurse who knew she knew from their church. Why, Yvette, what are you doing here, said the nurse in surprise. The Lord brought me and told me I'll have a son. The nurse hugged Yvette and said, Our God is so good. I have a little boy I want you to meet. He's in a coma. When the emergency staff brought him in, he looked like the clan got a hold of him. But it was his daddy. Yvette walked in and saw the little boy and knew in her heart he was going to be her son. She prayed and prayed. Then she went home and shared with Adon her experience with the Holy Spirit and the boy. Adon put his hand on his wife's. What if he doesn't come out of the coma? I can't bear to see you that sad again. Yvette said the Lord's going to heal him. How long does he have? Color folk don't get to live that long in that condition, even if they're a child, said Adon. Eight days, said Yvette. Adon looked at his wife with so much love. I will pray more. As well as you know, the Lord does miracles. So every day she went to the hospital and prayed for hours until it was Monday morning, and the decision was made to unplug the little boy. The nurse said, you have one hour until they arrive, and then he'll be buried in a few days. Yvette got down on her knees and prayed, Lord, let my son live. And she just kept praying as tears of faith welled in her eyes. Don't let him die. You gave him to me. Now Calvin, whose brothers called him Big Bo, was living in blackness, and suddenly he heard a voice, faint at first. It was a woman's voice. He listened closer. She was praying and saying God gave him to her as his mom. She wasn't praying like he'd heard before. It was like she knew God personally. And, it w and he was not ever heard a more beautiful voice. He peeked at her with one eye. Her eyes were closed. She was beautiful. If there was a heaven, he thought, he was there. And if she was going to be his mama, what an upgrade, he thought. Yvette caught the corner of his open eye and tapped him on the shoulder. He's awake, she smiled at him. The tube was removed from his throat, and all the staff said he was a miracle from God. And then his voice came back. He said to Yvette, You really going to be my mama? Yes, she said. Well, said Calvin, I have some conditions. You see, said Calvin, I've been lied to, secrets have been hidden away, and I'm tired of it. I need a mama who's going to be honest and have no secrets. Yvette promised to do that. Okay, said Calvin. Here's your tryout, because words are cheap. How long have I been in this bed? About two weeks, said Yvette. You were in a coma. Okay, what happened to my mama, asked Calvin. Your mama and daddy are in heaven, said Yvette. 
Is that something you just say? Because I know if there's a hell, that's where they are, said Calvin. The vet's heart went out to the little boy. What happened to them, he said. The vet shared from talking with the nurse, she was informed the assistant pastor, when his dad didn't show up at the church, went into the house that next day and found them dead. I need details, said Calvin. The vet gulped. She held his little hand. Apparently they killed each other. How do you know that, asked Calvin. Your mama, it looks like, was stabbed to death by your daddy, and your mama shot him. Memories of that night flooded Calvin's head, and for the first time since conscious, he remembered saying, You're going back to hell, and firing the gun. How do you know she shot him, whispered Calvin. Because they found the shotgun in her arms, said Yvette. Calvin, for the first time, cried for his mama. In the end, she sacrificed her life for him. Maybe she's in heaven after all. And Yvette hugged her son. Join me for Wonderful Counselor podcast for the next chapter of the miniseries, The Preacher Kid That Fought Like the Devil, and episode four, titled, Am I My Brother's Keeper?